Hey, everybody. It's Mike Carlson from Podcast the Ride. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Scott Gairdner. Hello. And Jason Sheridan. Hey. And we've got a little announcement. We sure do. Yep. We're launching our new podcast on an app called Spoke to give Spoke. you three exclusive episodes. Can you believe it? Three. I can't. Yeah. Don't don't believe it, but it's true. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. Well, how does that work, though? Well, I'm going to explain. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlists of clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. So they're all grouped by topics or themes is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for figuring that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, you could try like a playlist that's uh, like about music being decoded when it's playlists with clips about unpacking and analyzing and figuring out how people make songs and what. why are they so cool, you know? They also have one uh, called Spoke's Perpetually Single Playlist, dedicated to podcasts about relationships, or lack thereof, in my case. Sure, Jason, don't put yourself down. I want to, I want to, all right. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of things is what we're trying to say, and Spoke has, like, fun exclusive content from Feral, like our podcast. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now, free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Podcast the Ride's exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash podcast the ride. That's the address. Uh, Check it out. Spoke. It's time to spoke. Yeah, we're spoken. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get, like, brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. You know, the holidays are coming up, and you're probably wondering, geez, is the the old missus going to buy me another tie or a football jersey with some asshole's name on the back? Or if you're the woman, you're probably wondering, oh, man, is Carl going to get me another waffle iron or some crappy blouse from Target? Well, folks, I have a concept I'd like to enlighten you to, adamandeve.com. They sell sexy sex toys. So maybe this Christmas you can have the wife get that strap-on dildo so you can explore pegging like you've always wanted. Or perhaps the wife can get some shackles and tie it to the bed and F your brains out crazy-like. This, you're probably wondering, like, oh, where can I get these kind of stores, things, and not have people notice I'm buying sex toys so I'm embarrassed? Well, adamandeve.com. Totally discreet packaging. You'll never... The neighbors will never know what you got. And for a limited time, you can get 50% off on just about any item on adamandeve.com. That's right. 
50% off, but that's not all. And when you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three adult DVDs, you know, to help you out in case you forgot how to have sex. You could watch other people have sex and be like, oh, that's how we have sex. Now I'm turned on because I'm watching a man put his boner in a woman. So let's do this, honey. Of course, I don't want to imply that only married people can have sex. Anyone listening to my show can have sex. But you get 50% off, and you'll, we'll even throw in free shipping, adamandeve.com and I. We're throwing in free shipping, and we're not teasing you, I swear. So check out adamandeve.com today for a special offer. Get 50% off on any item when you type in the code word, the secret code word, Dwyer, D-W-Y-E-R. That's my name, Matt Dwyer, Dwyer, D-W-Y-E-R. Check, put that in there when you check out, and you'll get the three free DVDs, a free extra gift, yeah, that's right. You're going to get a free extra gift and free shipping. Just put in the code DWYAR at adamandeve.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I don't know why I started it off with, hey, everybody, like I'm doing a game show. Um, anyway, uh, if you like my theme music there, that's from a band called Les Blanks. Check more of their music out at lesblanks.com. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to the show before, it's just exactly what the title there implies. It's a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer, and some fascinating, interesting people. So there you have it. Uh, I'm a little uh, fuzzy in the head today. I'm sorry. Not sleeping well yet again in my life. I'm just waking up with the dumb, really dumb, unimportant things on my brain. But they they taunt me and they keep me awake. Uh, today our conversation is with Mike O'Connell. He's uh, We discuss his turn from... Uh, he's been a very wild and uh, crazy stand-up comedian, and he's got an album call coming out called Sad Songs to Get Sad To. So we talk about his sort of transition into more serious type of um, music. But um, I think we have quite the jovial, fun conversation. Um, yeah, God, I feel like I'm uh, Francis Farmer towards the end of that movie there when they give her a lobotomy. That's what's going on with my brain. <laughs> it's just all... Fuzzy, or maybe maybe the psychic spirits are getting into my brain. It was actually I had a conversation with somebody recently, and they were they believe in astral projection, and if you don't know what that is, that's that thing where um, through I don't know psychic hoodly do or will <laughs> we can travel through space with the power of our brain, and my point was. Um, Hey, don't you think NASA would have kind of gotten on board with this? <laughs> like, how come all these crazy uh, concepts and stuff, how come, like, science never gets, like, is like, oh, like, we could save a lot of money. Like, NASA, if astral projection was real, NASA would just be, like, a room with a cot and a coffee maker. And, you know, and then guys would just be laying around going to Mars and being like, nope, no life there. I just, uh, I always, I just always think it's funny, like, these people are like, well, science doesn't get it. You know, like, oh, science, like, 
like scientists are dumb. Like they're like they wouldn't want an easy answer like astral projection <laughs> to really save them time and money on everything. I don't know. Just my thought. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm fuzzy in the head. Maybe I'm drinking too much lately. Um, it was my birthday. It was my birthday, and uh, you know I got some free scotch from friends. So uh, I, you know, what are you gonna do? Not drink the scotch? What are you not gonna have wine for breakfast? I read in some book recently a character had wine for breakfast. I thought that was just uh, fascinating, <laughs> or just a raging alcoholic. I don't know which, but you know what? Michael Connell and I, my guest this week, we've done a lot of drinking together. I believe we talk about some of our penchant for alcohol in this episode. Let's get to the episode of Conversations with Matt Black. Um, hello, Michael Connell. Hi. I don't... I don't usually do formal intro- hellos like that on the recorder, <laughs> but it feels because we've known each other, what, like 17 years now. It's a good way to start, though, no matter what, who you are, really. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, and not to sound, this is going to sound corny, and especially since you know me, and I rarely say corny things. <laughs> but uh, I don't, uh, I mean this from my heart, and that sounds like I'm, we're like hanging out in old uh, Jerry Lewis and uh, Charlie Callis days where they get real seedy or like real sappy and like, <laughs> but I'm going to be serious for a second. Okay. <laughs> but uh, your talent sort of continuously astounds me. Well, that that is a lovely thing to say. <laughs> I mean, it is coming from such a talent such as yourself. Well, just because, but I mean, um, what is that sound suddenly? Was that uh, it was some music from a Bella Lugosi movie? Just decided to join us. <laughs> I'm just trying to add some uh, atmosphere. Oh, okay, good. But um, I mean, I knew you as a, a comedian in Chicago, and uh, you were one of those guys that I saw, and I was like, oh, that's the kind of funny everybody wants to be. Um, you know, like bombastically funny and brilliant. Absurd. And I was uh, not that funny at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing's changed. But then you're also a phenomenal guitarist. I like to play the guitar. It's a passion. It's I like it. It's something you can do a little when you're alone, you know. It is, yeah. It passes the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I remember once I came over here and you uh, uh, you were like, "Yeah, I've taught myself how to play like Django Reinhardt." And I was like, "That's something most people just don't teach themselves." <laughs> <laughs> yes. But when you uh when you have time, you should try to do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's just it's kind of impressive because I I can I can't do anything on a guitar except smoke on the water. Which is always, I mean, everybody loves that. <laughs> Who doesn't love um, the deep purple? But, but then why did you uh, suddenly just go like, all right, I'm going to write an uh, album of sad songs. Did you get really sad? Um, sadness runs in my blood <laughs> from a, a youthful time. Uh, but no, I, I've always been fascinated by sad songs and how I've always kind of been on board with sad songs and just kind of allowed them to take me to the places, allowed them to manipulate me when I was young. And uh, I remember, like, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. That one, like, I really felt like I know what this guy is talking about. And I thought I was like, I liked becoming emotional with these sad songs, so it's always been a passion of mine, just listening. And then as you grow older, you become sad yourself. And, <laughs> and then you uh, are like, wait a second, I have material. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess there's always kind of a, a little bit of sadness in your comedy songs because there's always, not to overanalyze, some but longing. Some longing and hurt. <laughs> yeah. No, I of... think that that's the full package of life, you know. Yeah. Was it when was it kind of scary to start doing that or did you you always kind of toiled around in serious matters? You're... I did, yes, but I I did just not really play him for anybody for a long time because I was like it's like when the actor becomes the musician or something, you know, like you're kind of skeptical of that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, why don't you just stick to the one thing? But then you really can't control your creative uh, energy as oh. much as you want to, you know, you have to go where your silly mind takes you. Yeah. What if I told you all my favorite bands were with actors? I, I'm a real big fan of, <laughs> of Dog Leto's, Star yeah. and Jared Leto's band. <laughs> and 90 Seconds from Mars, maybe. And uh, the guy from Gladiator, who's, I don't know his name, but I just can really rock out to all his songs. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's all my favorite bands. No, <laughs> it's It's a, it's bold of you to admit this. What did, but then, like, we did a show recently. You did while well, I was in the audience. But I like to st- – my ego's so big, I like to think I was still a part of that show. <laughs> but uh, you opened a comedy show with two very sad songs. And that's in, – in my opinion, I was like, that's fucking ballsy. That's almost yeah. – <laughs> That's almost border, borderline stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit like – who the fuck do you think you are, <laughs> you and dumb I, motherfucker? I can't help but think. Uh, did you tell Jim Hamilton you were going to be doing it? He that? asked me to do it. Oh, he way. asked you yeah, to do he this. Was like, oh, do you want to come? Do you want to MC and play your sad songs at a comedy show? <laughs> and I was like, I yes, thank you. I mean, he had seen me do them before and he enjoyed them, so I was like, yeah. If this, if the guy in charge is willing to put put me up there doing that, and then as you noticed, I did. After I did those sad songs, I spazzed out like a demon from hell. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that you know, you start them out, make them cry, and then spaz out like a demon from hell. It's uh, it's interesting because the, the audience responded to it, and I, I my first thought was like, that is a, a brave thing to do because pe- everybody at a comedy show is insecure of any moment of silence <laughs> yeah. or. And uh, but it just uh, I don't know if it's it speaks to the brilliance of the songs or whatnot, but it's. People really were into it, and people laughed a couple times, which I always think yeah, is interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, the first time I, I mean, the past couple times I've done them, I think there are, you know, there is this element of, obviously I'm not Nick Drake or something, I'm not walking up there and being like so, like, just pained and stuff, because I, I like to be, you know, like, this very, <laughs> you've got to be light as well as dark, I feel, and so a couple times people just start laughing at them because they think that it's a joke, and it's, uh... It's hysterical when, you know, that's that's actually the, was the, my fear. Do you know <laughs> when I was? Oh, oh that people song, would actually laugh at people them. People are just like, well, they're just going to think they're funny because I'm such a spaz, <laughs> and that's like people have trouble seeing you as uh, a full person. I think when you're a performer, <laughs> they, they, if you know, I think that that's a that's an issue. Not, and I have the same thing with people I watch. You know, you think they're a certain way, and it's like, well, actually, they probably they have an emotional life, and they have a you know dark side and a bright side, and Everybody's more than one thing. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's interesting because I hate, uh, excuse me, I was fighting back about you. I hate telling people that I do comedy because it's then they just immediately are like, well, you're you don't put, seem funny. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it's like, well, because well, you're, mo- you're put in a, you're put in one of the weirdest boxes <laughs> in the world where it's like, you, it is some sort of, uh, like you being a comedian is a, some sort of 
like bold fuck you to the world being like you know it's not it's actually like you what your goal as a comedian is, is to make people like enjoy themselves it's not this standoff type of fucking thing that people make it into yeah, it's weird because they always think you're gonna. They they always think you're gonna attack them. That's the first thing they think. Because <laughs> they don't think that you can be funny without being rude, you know. Which is like, uh, that's when you're on a playground. That's like the only way to be funny. <laughs> but if you're an adult, a thinking adult, there might be a couple more ways. I like that the collective consciousness still thinks of that comedy's in the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> it's like and everybody then, well, else. If you think about comedy all the time because you do it, you're just like you have such a different conception of it than people who just like go once a year to see it you're just they're they're like you know i never i don't think about comedy when it's occurring in front of me <laughs> like meanwhile all the comedians they're like it's the only thing you think about you become so con convinced that it's this that it's so much bigger than it actually is but that's how you have to think about it i guess yeah i find i don't think about it that much anymore you don't do you you just Go out there, collect the laughs, and go home and masturbate to them. <laughs> I do no. I, I go out there and I do the jokes I wrote six years ago. <laughs> well, I not try everybody out some, is as diligent and committed as you. And, and that's, I don't know. It's commitment. I don't. Yeah, but I mean, you you're, you went and did your film, The Living Wake. Which mm. uh, what is my character's name? Preacher number one. Preacher. Yeah, it's preacher number one. I tried to make it preacher number two, but your manager fought that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you fucked with the best manager there was at that time yeah. for a guy of my talent. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was uh, Matt Dwyer, a fine performance in The Living Wake. No, but I mean, that's like, you know, that's also not even a very, I mean, it's a comedy and it's hilarious, but it's not, that also gets very dark and sad. Yeah. I always thought that that's what everybody was thinking about, you know, all the time. Because, what, death? Or, no, I, I always assume that, like, even the most cheery and chipper person, like, once a day, they're like... Holy shit. <laughs> like, uh, the, uh, my perishing is on the horizon. Or, so, you know, I just always thought people were a little more existential, maybe, than they are. But maybe they're not. Maybe they are, and it's just in a different way, and it's not as, like, obvious. I think most people uh, deny it. Death. I think, well, because it's like. It's put out of one's head, and it's never. Unless I, it's, like, shoved in your face, you don't think about it yet. I think, like, uh, you know, Christian culture, which dominates our shitty world. <laughs> Um, but it's like it's all like yeah you're gonna die and it's gonna be even better yeah and if it's like well how can it not be better than this this is pretty miserable <laughs> this is a pretty trying awful experience that I really oh, wish I was telling the story about remember when we went to Cafe Gratitude oh yeah <laughs> and at Cafe Gratitude they have a question of the day and the hippie girl comes up to us and she goes we have a question of the day at Cafe Gratitude and you can answer it or not it's up to you um, but the question for today is, what are you most grateful for in your life? And Matt Dwyer, the fat squire, immediately snaps <laughs> back and says that it'll eventually end. <laughs> and the hippie girl is like, well, um, we haven't gotten that response yet. I'm going to go get your, your fake steak. <laughs> whatever the fuck it well is. the name of gratitude any the word gratitude is just kind of used only by horrible people anyway <laughs> well we were the ones we were the ones funding their endeavor well like, their food is good they yeah. just got shitty bullshit hippie nonsense going on <laughs> and i it's strip away the hippie bullshit nonsense and uh, I, you know i'll come and eat your fake food all day <laughs> I, but i uh I, I i've i've become more of a hippie but though i find my hatred and darkness rears its ugly head 
quite often. The hippies were a very angry group, if you recall. <laughs> yeah, I think people really actually lost focus of what the hippies were. Yeah, no, I think they wanted they wanted something for a minute. I, I read this article. But you know what? Orgies are better than political uh, activity. <laughs> I yeah, found. I just read an article about how the hippies all misinterpreted uh, Kerouac, and Kerouac actually supported McCarthy. <laughs> I was I was reading that as well. That's very interesting. I just love. It, it's another thing you just. You make the person into whatever you want them to be. And yeah. It's like, oh, it doesn't. He doesn't fit anymore into what I made him into. Did you read the article too? The uh, the 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 myths about John Lennon. This guy wrote, and most of it's pretty like <clears throat> the one. There was one thing that I thought was because he helped fund the Black Panther. He was like he funded violent groups like the Black Panthers. I was like Black Panthers were defending themselves mm-hmm. against was- police brutality. <clears throat> And what I didn't know too is uh, Wayne Kramer pointed out to me they also were like uh, drug house thieves. Really? Yeah. That. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Huey Newton and uh, the other guy who. Uh, th- that's how they funded drug. the Black Panthers. They would rob other drug dealers. <laughs> that's smart. I mean. <laughs> I just think it's that's like a piece of the history you never hear. Yeah. And Wayne knew those guys. But uh, like Lennon was a wife beater, and uh, oh. they, the guy points out that he was kind of a compulsive liar. And that's I just, but people just, are like, no, he's the Pope. He's yeah. better than the Pope. He's like Pope with a good sense of guitar rhythm. Yeah, no, I don't think that everybody's, you just want them to be perfect, right? It's sort of like uh, we have to have uh, some kind of myth to buy into yeah. as humans to sort of give us hope. Hey, it's it's working. <laughs> Everyone seems to have like hope no matter what. Hope is bandied about quite often <laughs> would you like to do one of your songs oh yes uh, or do, we, do you need to do no, whatever no, you were going to do with that stuff in no, your hands no 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 uh, let me just uh, get this ready and what is the song called that you're um, going to do this song we'll talk about it while you get ready this song is um, see I didn't even think about which ones I was going to do maybe <laughs> um, this one why don't I start with this one? It's about uh, it's about when uh, you are very passionate about a lass, and the lass does not reciprocate, and so you decide that perhaps on some other world you could be lovers, and it's called on some other world. Sorry about the tuning shadows. Oh, I'm very furious. <laughs> My listeners are turning off now. I know this is They're going back to their boring jobs. <laughs> well, I should not insult my listeners. They all have thrilling, fascinating jobs. I have a horrible job. Okay. Yes. Um, this is called On Some Other World. On some other world, I'm the king and you're the queen. We let the people rule themselves and just write each other poetry. On some other world, they keep us at the zoo to let the people watch and wonder how love grew so true. I wish I lived on any world other than this one. 
On this one I don't have you On some other world There's a bed of silk and fleece And it's our job to make love on it To provide that world with energy On some other world The only time we get upset Is when we think about some other world Where we never met I wish I lived on any world other than this one On this one I can't have you On this world we both admit it's not to be But on some other world you sleep so soundly in my Um. Wow. Every time I've heard that song, it, I get, uh, I do, I get a little misty. <laughs> I guess that's why it's called the sad songs. Yes. <laughs> it's supposed to make you feel. But the problem is, I guess sometimes that song makes you think of other lovers. <laughs> when you, and your lover's sitting right next to you. <laughs> and you're like, man, I wish I could fuck that girl again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not how the fat squire operates. You, you don't have to say Once that. Once he locks that shit down, he locks that shit down. <laughs> well, most uh, most of my ex-girlfriends were a total psychopath, so I... So it's actually... Uh, I, I wish... Actually, uh, could you move to the other world, maybe? <laughs> Would you I, do me a favor? I wished repressed memory was uh, real so I could uh, forget about them completely. <laughs> that myth of repressed memory. How do you repress them on, you know... <laughs> I guess that's what that uh, fucking movie's about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that one. Do you want me to do another <laughs> one? I was going to say, because you mentioned uh, poetry in the song, and then I, uh, I re- remembered that you also had a book of poetry. Yes, I have. So you dwell there. in the serious world quite often. Oh, yes. it's. Uh, I think it's good to expand uh, your horizons and uh, try out different things. And rhyming is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just shoot a bunch of speed and uh, just ramp- <laughs> ramble? No, no, I didn't. Are you getting your poetry book? My my heroes? I no, I just shit talked to Kerouac. He is not my hero. <laughs> He's not the only one that did speed and <laughs> wrote a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, do you want to read a poem from there? I mean, I can. If Why you not? Can. You got the book. Let's do it. What uh, what do you want the poem to be about? Um, Gary Trudeau and Cadillacs. Uh, <laughs> suddenly we're <laughs> at sec- we're at Second City in eighteen 18- <laughs> in nineteen eighty four. Oh, I felt good to be back. The old second city there in 84. Yeah. Well, this one's really brief. It's called A Lover's Checklist. May she have beauty. May she be kind. May she arouse with her body as well as her mind. May her heart be wide open, ready to fill. And may she be only gently mentally ill. (laughs) (laughs) That's A Lover's Checklist, and that's my hope for a lady that I will someday commandeer. Yeah. Now... Uh, just to to back up, because it, it is because if people haven't seen your stand up, they can find it all over the goddamn internet. So. But like, when you started doing stand, because I was just like, well, first of all, I made the huge error of thinking I could be like Lenny Bruce. Terrible idea. <laughs> oh, no, well, I we, I have video well, evidence. Oh of boy, newspaper days where if I bring ever up have newspaper and be like, <laughs> what is going on in the world today, people? I mean, it's fucking crazy. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? 
He had long oh yes! He if had I ever had hair. money to to bilk, you could uh, you could just the really threaten me. The only time you've ever been mad at me was when about four people were over here, and I was like, "You guys gotta see this," because <laughs> and I was talking about my performance too, because I was a fucking whale of a man at the time, and I was showing them how fucking ridiculously obese I was, and then I was like, "Wait, wait a minute," because Dwyer's up next, and I, my God, does he lay into the system? I um... and then he fucking goes. You, you, turn, turn it off. Turn it the fuck off. Turn it the fuck off. I'm like, okay, Pesci. Uh, <laughs> he turned all Pesci on me. I, it's, you know what? I was not angry at you. It was my... Uh, em- <laughs> no, I know, but I've never I projected my embarrassment, yes. my humiliation, and pretenti- my, my once pretentious self. It, it was, was so bad. I mean, it, it, it was see, terrible. I could feel the uncomfort, and I, I turned it off, and then we just moved on. <laughs> it's like saying, uh, no, it, the it equivalent isn't. would be like, hey, I brought your uncle over who molested you se- severely <laughs> in, a, in a metal shed, and he's going to do oh, it again gonna, while all four people some, are here. He's going to do some soft shoe for us. Uh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, it is, uh, I think watching yourself, an old tape, you're like, well, it's Man, like, what was that? And why were people laughing? See, but you said <laughs> you were <laughs> terrible. But I see uh, you always seemed like uh, like I felt like I was searching. Like when we would do gags together, I felt like good about it. But I felt like then I was as a stand up. I was still searching for what the hell I was doing. Yeah, I think you always are, though, right? I mean, now you're comfortable. Like we were all uncomfortable when we started. So, you know, like you react in different ways. But your approach was like vastly different than anybody that was do- like you were like immediately you would go on stage and people were like, oh, there's something seriously fucking different happening here. And it worked. Mm-hmm. But I it, was, it like- was like an energy, you know, like because I had I think I was so nervous that I had to use the energy to try and, you know, like. Uh, overcompensating with the energy because you're like. I don't know. <laughs> I felt so weak intellectually that I would overcompensate yeah. <laughs> and try to be intellectual. <laughs> and my mind was so small at the time. No, uh, but it's like you had a full you you're, you still had a full blown like sort of thing you were doing. Where I think most people were still meandering around back then. Yeah, no, I mean I I've, I've always wanted to kind of do my own stand up thing because I thought. It should be more, a little more than just talking. But, I mean, so, you know, some people are so good at just talking. And then some people are, like, you got to use all of your skills. Well, that's, it's, it's interesting because everybody, like, strives. Not everybody, but, that, like, guys like Louis C.K. and Richard Pryor are the ones that are seen to be, like, that's where the level you want to get to. And it's like, and I think that kind of, not, you know, that, that's a great place to be. But it kind of ruins it for anybody who wants to do something a departed bit, from yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a better venue than stand-up comedy clubs, you know, because there's, like, a stand-up show is for one purpose, you know, there's not, I mean, and that, you know, like, a lot of comics can say really poignant, emotional things, but I think that they always cap it with a laugh, you know, whereas maybe in some other venue, it would be easier to do a varied amount of things, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever felt fully comfortable in the stand-up room, because it's, it's not all, I, like, it's... It is kind of limiting. You yeah, have to. It's, if you and it's c- a very. I mean, if it's, it makes it harder to be good at it too, because you know, because it is such a. It's it's this conversation with yourself, in front of people. So it's like, that's a very obscure skill <laughs> that's hard to master. Do you still enjoy? Because you do you still enjoy doing stand up? I do. I have like uh, moments of. I don't know. I. It's like once you. I don't know. Once you are do it, doing it for yourself, as opposed to some sort of reward, I've found that I that's when I enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like you 
<clears throat> are doing it because that it's exhilarating and maybe you can like you can have make someone enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's always been like a shitty marriage for me. It's like when we're having sex a lot and I'm drinking a lot, everything seems okay. <laughs> but when that wears off, I really just don't want to be in the same fucking room as you. <laughs> Well, your analogy is, is based on my first actual wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is there is an exact real world. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, let's have another song, shall oh, yes. we? Um, if you don't mind. No, not at all. Let me. I just changed a shadow. So, um, this song. I have not done in a while, so maybe I might mess it up. I have to start over. <laughs> but this is called, um, this is an advice song. I, my friend had a baby many years ago, and he, I couldn't afford to buy, like, a, a gift for the baby, so I wrote the baby an advice song. And this is called Five Minutes from Jail. <laughs> will be long and they will seem to go on and on then a quarter of the way through you will start counting them and the counting will drive you mad sometimes that's just one of the silly parts of having a mind People of your life will march by you in a surreal parade. Some will come and go, and some will stay. But it's not up to you who stays and who goes. And that can be the hardest part of it all. And people will be cruel, that doesn't mean you have to. And not all the rules should be rules. We should only keep a few Sometimes love gets stale And you're always five minutes from jail You're always five minutes from jail Remember that this life's the only life that's been given you Don't waste your time on people telling you what they think you should do If there's some answer it's right there inside of you And you're lucky if you find it Before you die And people will be cruel That doesn't mean you have to And not all the rules should be rules We should probably only keep a few Sometimes even love gets stale And you're always five minutes from jail you're always five minutes from jail. I didn't write this song to bring you down or to make you cry But if I did not tell you I'd feel like I was lying Keep close, a friend with bail Cause you're always five minutes 
If not three minutes from jail You're always five minutes If not three minutes from jail That's awesome. Congratulations, everybody. You made it to the middle of my show. Thank you so very much. Thank you. We'll get back to the fascinating conversation with Michael Connell in a moment here. I just want to take this moment out to say, go to the Feral Audio Conversations with Matt Dwyer page, and if you can, donate a little money. I know it's tough times and the holidays are coming, but it would really help us out, and it's tax write-off. But uh, we use the money to buy periodicals so I can be smart when I talk to certain people and to keep the lights on and to feed ourselves. And if you can't afford to donate money, I totally understand. It's the holidays, it's tough times, but you can buy your holiday shopping crap through my Amazon link. Just go to the feralaudio.com conversations with Matt Dwyer page. Go to the Amazon page. That'll link you to Amazon. Anything you buy, I get a kickback of, and that really helps me out quite a bit. And Feral Audio. And don't we want that? Also, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at twitter.com. That'll link you to my Tumblr page and all my upcoming shows. I'm going to be touring January and February. I'm going to be all over this great country of ours, so please come see me. Say hello. Back to the show. Who, what, who are some of your, I know you like Leonard Cohen and Tom Waits. Do you like the Nick Drakes? Who else do you I like? I love Nick Drake, yeah. I'm, I'm not as well-versed in him as like Leonard Cohen and, uh, you know, Bob Dylan. A guy named Val Stockline is actually my big hero. Who's that? I don't know any. He has an album called Grey Life. He has a really sad story. How yeah. dare you reference a musician? I don't know. <laughs> I know. Are you trying to You're trump? you have to ha- turn in your plaid shirt and your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he um, he was like a really he made this one album and it's really beautiful and really sad like to the point where you're like man this guy sounds like he's gonna kill himself and then he actually did. But did- there's a song called "Boy from Albuquerque" and it's about him to going to visit his son and it will kill you. <laughs> I mean, as far as you just can't believe that. And but it's actually so beautifully produced and beautifully done that. You're like, is this song really about... You know, the the material is so kind of incongruous with the beauty, and you're like, what a fucking amazing thing. So, Grey Life, Val Stockline, check it out. That's pretty... Did he do anything else, or was it just no, like... No, he one had of... this one album, and he kind of uh, struggled with a lot of, you know, alcohol issues and depression issues, and then lived in Kansas, never had a hit. That would know. make me want to kill myself, <laughs> right, everybody? <laughs> that sounds pretty terrible. That's, uh, yeah. And you, do you, do you, oh, you got into disco recently. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I've been listening to a lot of the Bee Gees, which you, I, I feel like is. Do you feel like that's been misunderstood? Especially from I Chicago like I, guys who I, had yeah. Steve Dahl? <laughs> no, exactly. That whole, that whole dumb thing where you're like, I, I think that also just growing, the music that's occurring while you're growing up, you don't, you only hear in this weird kind of like far off way, you know, and you just, I remember like Steely Dan just like, you know what I mean? You just hear it, and you kind of don't address it as music. It's just like the soundtrack. And Do you so, still? But did, why did you go? Because I've been trying to go back and listen to stuff that I wrote off as a young yeah. man. Like the '80s stuff still kind of resonates with me. You know, I mean, I I don't know. There's, but did, and then it also has an added like you rem- you know the memory kind of thing. It's just like you remember weird things when you hear Human League. I'm only human. Oh yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a certain songs like uh, Running on Empty and. Uh, 
they take you to the, the place immediately. And yeah, what's it? Dressed up like a douche, you know, but not <laughs> yeah. the original, but fucking shitty Manfred Mans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes me uncomfortable because all I can think about is being in the back of my parents' van or pickup truck because we were real classy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, I, Steely Dan reminds me of, like, shitty old cars and being, like, in the back seat after my mom had, like, three Chardonnays at some luncheon. <laughs> You don't ever like listen to Steely Dan and go, oh, I get what, because I kind of can't, I can't. I've always, I used to have a roommate who loved Steely Dan and we were constantly at odds. And but he played it so much that eventually, you know, I feel like you can, I even started liking the Manhattan Transfer at one point because I heard a song four times. <laughs> you just start liking <laughs> shit, you know. It's like, whoops, now I like it. Yeah, that's how I was with uh, my neighbors when I lived in Echo Park. They played so much ranchero music that I started like recognizing yeah. different. And I'd be like, <laughs> You're like "Oh, I hey, like what this. is that jam? <laughs> <laughs> what is that jam? I will never hey, be able to hey, pronounce." Can I join you in your uh, in your Ford Taurus station wagon, <laughs> the party. Oh, are you referring to my neighbor who lived in a car outside my <laughs> apartment? The fat squire had a neighbor who lived in a car, and he would have parties in his car. <laughs> he would have like dudes over to drink Coronas in his Taurus wagon. That's pretty imp- – like, the great thing is, like – He's like, hey, I only got a car. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to throw my parties? That makes me think, too, how down and out were the other guys. They couldn't, well, why don't we just go to my house? <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe they were – Greg is insistent that we go to his car. <laughs> Perhaps they were conspiring, like, hey, uh, Phil's got a car. We could uh, – let's just bring over a 12-pack and at least we can hang out inside something. Yeah. <laughs> I was jealous of the, that man's ability to make, you know, something out of nothing. I did catch him, find him. I guess it would be more finding him, passed out outside of his car one afternoon. <laughs> Maybe it was an intervention. It wasn't a party at all. Maybe. I called Dude, him. you're passing out outside of the car you live in too much. <laughs> We're worried. We thought that living in a car was your bottom. <laughs> but clearly. But pretending that this small patch of grass is your lawn. <laughs> well, that's just fucked up, dog. It would have been great if he, any time he parked somewhere, he put out some like, uh, you know, pink flamingos <laughs> and like a little, a white picket fence, a little white windmill. Yeah, <laughs> I once saw a homeless man who had put up a tent, and on the tent it said "No solicitors." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Mother, that dog's got it figured out." That, that should be in that hobo idea that we never yeah, finished, it's, or it's just like simple. And beautiful that man was. Did, uh, so like when you, okay, like that song was inspired by your friend having a baby. Was that Peter Klein? Uh, that was even longer ago. It was, uh, a friend Johnny. But, um, that, I guess, was a bit of a, like, you're like, oh, I'm going to write it. But the other songs, do you, I see, I'm always amazed at different ways people go about things. Like, mm-hmm. are you, do you sit down and just be like, all right, I'm going to start doing things on my guitar until something comes to me? Or, um, well, I usually have like, a, I have a lot of different, just kind of uh, pieces of music that are just randomly in my head, and then I can maybe sometimes I come up with like the title, like "You're Always Five Minutes from Jail" was something I just said to myself, and then wow, that you know from that it builds. What is that about, you know? And then it's about how it just grows through that. It's kind of I always come up with some title, like there's one called "The Back of Your Mind," and it's about being, you know, stuck in the back of a girl's mind. So it's like. You know, I always come from the title because I it has to be kind of bold in this way, you know? <laughs> bold like fresh coffee. Yes. Um, that's 
Interesting. Yeah, so that's how I operate. Is yeah. that with everything? I mean, most things? Com- like- I always, I mean, I always like to have a very kind of pseudo-profound <laughs> title for things because it always, I just like pseudo-profundity. Like The Living Wake, was that, because that's like such a... The Living Wake was, yeah, that was similar because it's like The Living Wake. Wow, that sounds like, when something sounds like a thing already... <laughs> It's easier to fill in the blanks of what the thing right. maybe. It's just such a great concept for a movie of a guy who has a rare. What is it? A rare. Uh, yes, a, a, I don't even. Remember rare that. and undiagnosed disease, but yeah. the only thing that <laughs> and a, vague, it is rare, as vague in its graveness as is grave in its vagueness. And the only thing they know about it is that you know the exact time you're going to die. Yes, it was very. It's very. Um, yeah, play like. It was. Uh, yeah, and. With the, just to name drop, Jesse Eisenberg is in it. Yeah, he's Oscar brilliant. nom Jesse yeah, Eisenberg, he's brilliant man. Jim Gaffigan, as well. Eddie Matt, Pepitone. Eddie Pepitone, Matt the Fat Squire, Dwyer, and some guy who smeared shit all over his hotel room and was not welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think producing a movie, you learn so much about humanity. Yeah. Would you like to do another poem or another song? Poem. Uh, I can do either. Well, you reached for the po- poetry book before you answered that, so don't bullshit everybody. Just because they can't see, don't. This is uh, this one is just this is a little darker. It's called Human Zoo. A lot of zoo references in my work. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> that. If something doesn't have the zoo referenced, even just kind of very subtly, it's not real. The Twilight Zone references zoos quite often, so you're in good company. I, thank you, <laughs> Human Zoo. Do you know the way out of this human zoo? An unsavory man implied that you knew. He winked and he smiled, and in a roundabout way, he inferred you preferred it, and here you would stay. But we're not the same, and I'm done with this place, for I've toiled and I've tried to deal with some grace. But my patience is meek, and my heart's been broke through. Please show me the way out of this human zoo. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely have an original brain in your head. In that head of yours, yeah, that was a, that one. That one's uh, not very funny. <laughs> well, yeah, but those it's sad so... songs are quite hilarious. Yeah, I know. I'm... You just got to go against type sometimes. But that's—I think—that speaks to not to sounds like an asshole thing, but your depth as a human being and your depth as a create creative person. And suddenly, there's a Mexican man at our window. <laughs> but uh, your your. Uh, that was very strange. It was a man just kind of jogging towards your window. Yeah. I thought maybe somebody found out I owed them money and was sent somebody. Um, but that you're able to do so much, because I, I don't think most people are kind of that brave sometimes. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think, but it's, I guess it just comes down to what, I couldn't ignore it any longer that I had these sad songs, you know? Like, <laughs> it's like, what's the fucking point in, like... I don't know. Were it's you just crying to... on the street? And I was just like, no one's going to listen to my CRT songs. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, it's just, I, I found that I'm happiest when I'm just doing whatever might, comes to my mind, you know, and that's whatever it be next is really less up to me than, than you'd think. <laughs> when, you, when you've written some of these songs too, where you're like, oh, fuck, I wish I could have a string section. Yeah, uh, well, the album, the Sad Songs to Get Sad To, will be out next month on iTunes, and this guy produced it, so it sounds like 
he made it pretty big, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So these are very stripped down versions of these songs. And he kind of, Five Minutes from Jail, for instance, is kind of, is very bombastic and big and it's kind of more. Uh, Who produced it? Epic. Uh, Andrew Gleason he is in a band called The Temporary Thing. He's quite brilliant. How did you get hooked up with this guy? I had done, through a friend, Jimmy Thompson, he, he's been friends with this guy in this band for a while and I had done some poetry readings in their band played behind him so we met them and then I had all these songs done and I record them myself in this kind of shitty versions and so I always was like oh I want to do this right but I can't you know I'm not that talented in the recording realm so I asked him and he was like yeah I'll do it and it's been such a great collaboration and it makes me remember the collaboration is like the only way to do anything <laughs> yeah it's weird i i did i i recently started working with people again where i always thought it was like i was like that i don't know if it was like i wanted to be like one of those great guys like who works by themselves yeah. or if i just had an ego <laughs> no i know no, i think it's and it's hard to it's and i think stand-up is that can be one of the things that you become so self-reliant that you think that that all of, you know once you step out of stand-up you need other people to because your thing will get better and you're, you know, everybody has a different talent. And so it's just so important. Like the poetry book, Jimmy Thompson did the drawings for it. And it was like, we just had so much fun because it's both parties are exercising their shadows. Yeah. It's a lot more fun. And then you collaborated on your film. Yeah. And it's just, that's like a number of people. Oh, that's like, you know, a billion people (laughs) or like a hundred people. So did you enjoy that or did you get to take it like slightly? No, I was, I loved it. I mean, I couldn't believe it was going on actually. So I was, that's gotta be pretty, I mean, most people in the world exhilarating, but it was also, you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't as pressure based because I was like, everybody, you were there and it's like, it seemed like everybody was so on board and so passionate. And even though it wasn't their thing or, you know, they were just a part of it and it was very beautiful to see. And that's when like, that's when you can be proud of your things is when everybody kind of commits. Is that still available out in the world for people to watch? Yes, it's on Hulu uh, for free. And then it's on... Um, so I think was... you can get the DVD on Netflix still. And then it's on Amazon. And It's not streaming on Netflix anymore? No, they took that away for some re- reason. It was it's too bad. Because there's a preacher in that movie with some really oh bad hair choices. He, <laughs> but my God, he's like a young Olivier as far as the acting. Oh, goes. boy, he is... Very handsome, <laughs> which I love too. Is that in the, you kind of blocked him out, but the guy who owned the church in that scene, yeah, oh, there had was to man. be in the film. Everybody in Maine was so like they were so on board with having a movie there. They're like, we're, "There's a goddamn movie being made here! <laughs> Can you fucking believe it?" <laughs> and so we got all these things for free. People gave us their babies. <laughs> like <laughs> somebody went to Walmart. They're like, "Could we have your baby?" They're like, "Sure, take it for the movie, sure." <laughs> and um, but this this chubby old man who owned this old church he wanted to be in the back and he, he just kind of is this hovering demon and you're like oh yeah that guy he uh just demanded that he be in the movie in some capacity yeah i remember because it was in kenny bunkport which is that place is so rich and white that i felt like i actually wasn't a white like i'm like i'm not white enough suddenly <laughs> yeah. i'm clearly some kind it of is, other but sh- it also is the most crazy like there are some very unique people living out there outside of like that walmart yeah (laughs) i was like i was like oh there are really fat toothless just lumbering yeah and then hillbillies like you know super rich and then right outside in biddeford remember that the place was like 
it was it's just such a different world you know and then you go to portland and it's like a real it's like a I didn't northeast get... city where it's like you see bar fights and shit <laughs> and kenny bungport you have a lobster roll and like look at the water oh, i didn't i didn't make it into portland it's a fun place well now i regret it as i do most things oh, in my oh, existence. don't beat yourself off <laughs> But yeah, I remember we went into some store. I don't know if it was with you. It was a few of us, and we looked vagabondy. And at first, they were like, "May we help you?" Yeah, I know. And then they found out we we're from the movie, and they're like, "Ooh!" <laughs> it's like thirsty. So you're bohemians. So you dress like that because you're bohemian artists. Oh, we're fine with you now. We thought we could you keep your drugs in your in your <laughs> away from the kids. So weird. But yeah, it's just such an interesting life. You know, you can go live there if you want. No thanks. Just have a weird, quiet life. That's where uh, the the doctor, the senior Bush, lives, doesn't he? Yeah, just hangs out. He's a great guy. (laughs) Now, do you have anything uh, that you're planning on next? That uh, are you going to do even sadder songs? Or uh, (laughs) I think there's will be a second volume of uh, sad songs. Songs to hate to get sadder too, or sad songs to get sad to too, or um, (laughs) the original. One of the original. Everybody always says that I should have. I wanted to call it So Deep It Hurts. But that it, seems like it... That's a little funny. That's yeah, yeah. It's, it's winky. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to work on that, on more sad songs. I've got a bunch um, almost ready to go, actually. And then I am... Are you going to do sad songs live and do, like, sort of the Kiss Alive album? Yes. <laughs> and it'll be just as popular as Frampton Comes Alive. Uh, but I will be, like trying to get out there more and do more shows just music and just music shows try and find to do try and find that you know i always like to uh enter the hardest realms now that i've um that i'm a mediocre stand-up comedian i want to become a musician and i'm just gonna (laughs) so i have to learn about that terrible world (laughs) i want to get fucked in a different way what's the awful world we could enter after that awful world Yeah, i think um pay phones (laughs) pay phone salesman That's a really tough racket these it days. Is. Oh no, there's like one left, and he's like, I, I'm sticking with it. There are still junkies. There are still whores. <laughs> I saw one the as other day. As long as there are junkies, they'll they will need payphones. <laughs> uh, are you so you're just not, you're not gonna are you gonna try to mix the stand up and the sad songs more? Or are you yeah, gonna I just think do... I was gonna you know try and have a show that's like has more. And I do those drunk stories, so I would like what some way to kind of intertwine all of these things and kind of make it more of just like a what the fuck was that sounds like a theatrical night. production yeah more of a more of a theatrical production with different parts of the stage for different you know endeavors that sounds like a good thing one little corner just to have sex with the all of the ladies oh you're gonna get be a, so turned on you you'll have more groupies because comedy guys don't get much oh my god poontang. fantastic comedians do not get tang. <laughs> Maybe you can get in Rolling Stone as a musician because you've been in Rolling Stone as a comedian. You're doing it kind of in a backwards way. Yeah, but it definitely, I've noticed that women react a lot better to my sad songs than they do to my spastic comedy about stealing Asian babies. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I hear a lot of, oh, and I'm like, ooh, that's a lovely Oh, (laughs) there is slight moisture in panties with those O's. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it implies to me. They love that fixer up. Oh, let me fix that pain. His... His heart looks broken, but I have heart cock. <laughs> and I will fix the man. And then I will make him change. <laughs> so I would like, if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, bef- 
do one more song and then we'll be done. But before we do that song, yes. can you tell everybody where they can find this stuff and pay for it or yes. whatever? Uh, in December, it will be on iTunes. Um, just finishing up the artwork and everything right now. So, and then michaelconnell.net is my website, which is totally old and shitty. You can buy the poetry book there if you're mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the Twitterist and the... Uh, uh, Twitter is M-A-O-Connell, M-A-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L, and uh, Wabacore on Instagram, Mike O'Connell on Facebook. Actually, your Instagram's one of the best Instagrams out there. Oh, thank you. Because it's nothing just but weird photos with great, hilarious captions. L.A. is a very unique place. If you walk around for three blocks, you'll find some really fucked up thing. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody just drives around, driving right past a fucked up thing. Yeah, it's... I saw just the other day a guy jerking off just right there on Main Street in downtown Los Angeles. I have actually seen this one woman take a shit three times <laughs> and i'm like well uh it's, it's i like, think the third time it, you get a wish mike yeah. <laughs> it was it is like wow i know i almost know this woman more than i know like my dearest friends for i've witnessed her toilet <laughs> yeah i saw a guy in echo park fucking the air <laughs> was he erect yes he was wow that is not easy i was like <laughs> what is this mental disease and how does one go about getting it because he's having more sex than he, me he's like <laughs> he is just having sex with the biggest vagina ever it's the whole world it's gaia we are he's all having sex with gaia <laughs> i've i've known other people who've seen that too not that specific person but like i guess people have a lot of sex with the air in new york city <laughs> well the air is fresher you know there's it it no smog it's hard to it's like tainted air out here. Yeah. It's when you're fucking the air here, it's dirty pussy in New York. <laughs> oh clean. That's, That's debutante pussy air. air. <laughs> oh, does this go out? Did you put this on the internet? Oh yes. Oh. Thousands shall hear. I suppose my political office ambitions have just increased. <laughs> um so what's your last song? Uh, the last song, well, I, you know, it's always good to end with a little, um, this is a song about uh, at a certain point you get so sad that you have no choice but to become happy. And so this song is about being positive in the face of dire circumstances. Maybe. This one string is just killing me, sorry. Oh, Furious again. of the sun cannot be counted on the rainbows are mostly up to you 
Life sure has a funny way of twisting up a path that's straight of getting you high before you fall. It lets you think that you figured it out, and just when you've released your doubt, it reminds you that you're small. That's why you gotta keep making your own rainbow. Cause it's never gonna rain quite when you want it to. And the refraction of the sun cannot be counted on. The rainbows are mostly up to you. On a cloudy day, and all the hope seems so far away. Just put a rainbow in your smile, and just keep on making your own rainbow. 'Cause it's never gonna rain quite when you want it to, and the refraction of the sun cannot always be counted on. The rainbows are always up to you. The rainbows are always up to you. Thank you, Michael Connell. Thank you, Matt Dwyer. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Do us a favor, go and to the feralaudio.com website there. Peruse the other shows. Check out Steve Agee's show, Duncan Trussell's show. Uh, Ali and Georgia have a great show uh, Aaron McGathy There's so many good shows there You should be listening to all of them And if you don't have time, play them all at once Thank you very much I will talk to you soon National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.